This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Joined tonight by longtime co-host of this pod and the longest tenured member of Turn on the Jets besides myself, Dalvin Asario. We are going to spend the next 20-25 minutes or so talking about our expectations for the New York Jets offense in 2020. The most important side of the football, no matter what anybody tells you. If you have not had a chance yet, please subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And... If you have not yet, subscribe at turnonthejets.podbean.com for our subscription ad-free podcast that starting tomorrow is going to have 10 straight days of season preview content hosted by myself and Connor Rogers. That's turnonthejets.podbean.com. Dalvin, how you doing? Football is kind of almost here. Uh, Coming up very fast on us. How's everything going? Yeah, you're right, right. Two weeks from today, the Titans and the Chiefs kick this thing off in what will probably be an empty Arrowhead Stadium, right? Or, a, you know, not a capacity Arrowhead Stadium. But it's, uh, you know, I won, like, I, I, for, we've been doing this now almost not, it was eight years running where we, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, be writing for TOJ, but also like just be able to kick off the season talking with you. So I'm pumped. I'm also pumped for Badlands 10 straight days because, like, I feel like, there's, you know, one, I miss you and Connor, obviously, but like there's things, there's threads that I have in my head that I hear you guys on Badlands and I'm like, see, I knew they'd vocalize that. So I'm ready, man. I'm ready to kick this thing off. Let's talk about the Jets offense. The Jets offense has been the perpetual spot outside of the one outlier year in 2015 during this entire playoff drought. On paper, It is a group that is concerning heading into the regular season, namely at the wide receiver position and even, I would say, at the offensive line position where they're going to be breaking in four new starters. Everything always funnels back to Sam Darnold, and he's been a very hard player to evaluate through two years because of mitigating circumstances. It unfortunately doesn't seem like that's going to change because at least on paper, he has a bottom three coach in the NFL, a bottom three offensive coordinator in the NFL, a bottom five to 10 offensive line in the NFL, and a bottom five receiver group in the NFL. Has some talent at running back, no doubt, if used properly. Has some talent at tight end, no doubt, if used properly. But you look at what some of these other young quarterbacks have The Jets are still not making life that easy for Sam. He spent most of training camp throwing to Jeff Smith and Josh Malone and a UDFA and Lawrence Cager before he got hurt too. We haven't got to see much of Denzel Mims yet, if any of him, because of a hamstring injury. What? We've talked a lot about Sam this offseason. We know his numbers last year, 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 6.9 yards per attempt. What is his season going to look like? Is he going to start 16 games? Is he going to make the leap? Is he going to be unquestionably the guy, no matter who the head coach is going into year four? What is the state of his position going to be after this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a great question, Joe. And, and I think you 
you know, and with Sam Darnold is interesting because I think at year three is so crucial for these young quarterbacks, right? For him, for Baker Mayfield, for Josh Allen, for Lamar Jackson. Uh, they're so crucial, right? Like even Lamar coming off an MVP year. Now the question becomes, can you do it again? Josh Allen coming off a year where he led the Bills to, to the playoffs, but absolutely choked in the playoff game against Houston. Is it, you know, now that we've gotten you a, a top wide receiver, you know, a top 15 wide receiver in this league, can you, you know, take that next step with Baker Mayfield? The questions were, what do you have on the offensive line? They went and signed Jack Conklin. They drafted Jedrick Wills. So now you have the protection up front, right? You still have jo- Joel Betonio. So again, a very good offensive line in Cleveland. There should be no questions for Baker Mayfield. Sam Darnold, you got him a who I believe is the top ten center in, in 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 the league in McGovern. So that was a really good signing by Joe Douglas. You also got him a mountain of a man at left tackle in in Mackay Becton. So on paper, right, there's no way that this offensive line could be worse than last year's, except for the fact that they are trying to gel together with no regular training camp. And that specifically hinders Sam Darnold's, my outlook on Sam Darnold. I think that Sam Darnold, when he was at USC, was a quarterback that could make nothing, could make something out of nothing. And he didn't have to have the greatest offensive line in, in, in front of him because a lot of his a lot of his plays came when they were unscripted plays, when it was him, you know, moving around in the pocket and making something happen. So I don't hold the offensive line the offensive line deficiencies against him as much as other people do. But there is some there is room, there is something to be concerned about when these guys have not had a chance to play together at all. Right. Like all they've been doing is scrimmaging and walkthroughs and hitting each other. And you do wonder just how that impacts it. With that said, I think you have a young kid who has to get better in the red zone. He was god awful in the red zone last year. You hope that Denzel Mims and and Chris Herndon helped there. You also hope that Brashad Perryman helps there. Right. Um, What could go a long way towards helping Sam Darnold is the fact that you have a guy in Le'Veon Bell who played 782 snaps last year. And out of those 782, 708 of them came out of the backfield. That means that that means that. Under 10% of snaps, uh, Adam Gase used, used Le'Veon Bell in the slot, out wide, moved him around enough. to That way you can get another weapon in the passing game for Sam Darnold because you don't have a lot out there. And I think that we were talking about this earlier, like should the Jets make a move for a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster or Corey Davis or Althaw Jeffrey? And I think they should because you can't go into this offseason. I think you can't go into this season. It becomes much harder to judge him if he's throwing to the Jeff Smiths of the world, like guys that will probably be accountants in two weeks or something like that. But with all of that said, I think you have a young quarterback that in this year in particular, it's not so much about the numbers as is he not taking bad sacks? Is he better in the red zone? Is he better on play action? And is he better on the deep ball? Because those are things that he struggled with. And has the game started to slow down a little bit for him? Because when you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, the game started to slow down for him as a passer last year. You see a guy like Pat Mahomes, the game has slowed down for him to the point where he might as well just be, you know, like Zach Morris calling timeout and literally being able to see where everybody is. With Deshaun Watson, very similar. And I know that Jet fans get mad when you compare Sam Darnold to those quarterbacks. But if you were taken in the top 10 as a quarterback or in the first round, those are the quarterbacks that you should be compared to. And Sam Darnold right now is so far behind them. And I'd argue that Deshaun Watson has a terrible coaching situation and he's still been able to ball too. So I think with Sam, it's, are you improving in those areas? Are you, are you making less boneheaded mistakes? Are you protecting the ball? And are you cashing in when you're in the red zone? Those are the things that I'm going to look for. I, I think statistically there are, there are going to be ups and downs, peaks and valleys because he's still a young quarterback who hasn't even played 32 games yet. You know, he, he missed three games year one. He sorry, he missed a couple games year one. He missed a couple games last year. He hasn't even played a full season yet. I'd love to see him play a full season so we can gauge him appropriately. All really good points. And even just the full season thing, it's been two years. We got 13 games, 13 games. I want to see him get the full 16. I want to see that yards per attempt in the sevens. I want to see more consistent decision-making. 
And I want to see him playing better in the division where the Jets just have to be better. And that is going to be driven by him outplaying Josh Allen, outplaying Tua or Fitz, outplaying Cam even. That's how the Jets are going to overachieve this year. If he could go be the best quarterback on the field in those games, I think Sam has more than enough talent to be a franchise quarterback. I do believe he'll be the starting quarterback here next year. And if they bring in a new coaching staff, he should get in a bat with them. But we do need to still see more to prove it out. And I just hope there's more consistency from him this year. And look, part of being a franchise quarterback is sometimes elevating a bad situation. And and this is unfortunately a pretty bad situation around him. And we're going to talk about Darnold's supporting cast in more detail right after I remind you guys that winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. It means survivor, super contest, and squares. At my bookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice. It's time to celebrate the NFL season. Invest your intuition Use promo code TOJ and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at my bookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash, use promo code TOJ and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. So we talked a little bit about the Jets' problems at wide receiver. Let's talk about more of a positive spot, where I'd say they have good depth and potentially good talent. The two most talented skill position players for the Jets are Le'Veon Bell and Chris Herndon, two players who, if they are healthy and used right, are capable of being Pro Bowl caliber players. That's not a common thing for the Jets to have guys like that on their offense. Now, Bell is leaner. He's lighter. That being said, the Jets went and got Frank Gore. I love Frank Gore. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't trust Adam Gase to balance the workload right. Between Bell and Gore, the Jets traded a draft pick for Kalen Ballage, who stinks. And maybe they don't end up, he doesn't make the team, they give the pick back. I don't like having extra running backs around. I would have been more than content with Bell and Pirine uh, leading the charge at running back. I want to see as much Bell as possible. I want to see Bell in space. I don't want to see him in the A gap on second and 10. And with Herndon, Herndon's your wide receiver one this year, in my mind. If he's healthy, move him all over the formation. Lead, let him lead you in targets some weeks. Let, it doesn't always have to be Crowder. Get Let Herndon be that guy because he can be a key building block with Becton, with McGovern, with Darnold, with Mims. My hope is this offense is funneled through Chris Herndon and Le'Veon Bell. Not Frank Gore, Chris Hogan, Ryan Griffin, uh, and whoever else ends up kind of cycling through here. Am I going to be disappointed or where are we going to, what are we going to see from Bell and Herndon? And is there any chance that Bell is here in 2021? Uh, the first, I mean, the question you, the question you asked about Le'Veon Bell, I think the easy answer is no. And, and, and I think that I, th- I do, I will put the caveat that if we, if we fire Gase and hire a new coach, I think that there could, I think a new coach could see value in keeping Le'Veon Bell, depending on how much he was used. Le'Veon Bell last year was a much better runner up the middle right of the offensive line and off the and off the right guard. He averaged over four yards a carry. When it came to running on the left side of the ball, you're talking about 2.9 off the left tackle, 3.8 off the left guard, 2.7 through the middle left. So that's it. That's in that Mackay Becton, Alex Lewis side, which again 
Makai Becton and Alex Lewis should help with that, right? But Alex Lewis was not that good last year. So I say all that to say that if you're going to if you're going to use guys, you know, like Gore, like Perrine as your feature backs, which again, I think the most frustrating thing for me when I when Adam Gase was in Miami was watching Kenyon Drake consistently get passed over for touches because, you know, because Adam Gase had to give Frank Gore carries. I would hate to see that here because I think Le'Veon Bell still has enough in the tank where you can use him and he makes Sam Darnold's job easier. I think with Chris Herndon, I think you're spot on, right? I think Chris Herndon is by far the the best pass catcher that this team has. It's not Perryman. It's not Denzel Mims. It's Chris Herndon. He's he's by far their be- their their most talented one. Jamal Car- uh, Jamison Crowder is their best one, but Chris Herndon is is their is their most explosive one. And you're talking about a guy who, when he played in 2018. In in from zero to ten yards on the when he was when he when he lined up on the outside left of 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 the formation he had nine catches on nine catches on ten targets for over 150 yards and two touchdowns when he lined up in between the numbers again zero to ten yards he went 14 of 20 over 180 yards and a touchdown when he lined up on the outside right you're talking about nine of ten over 100 yards and another touchdown so this is a guy that in the middle of the field is going to eat right and you're a former receiver you know that that that's usually a quarterback's best friend it's a guy that's going to get open in the middle of the field and Herndon has already shown that he can do that he's not he's not a guy that you're going to stretch the field vertically with right he's not going to be that kind of guy but he is a guy that in the middle of the field to move the chains he's got to be he's got to be the person that you're constantly funneling targets through because Jamison Crowder while a good slot receiver that's all he can do. Jamison Crowder can't win on the outside like Herndon does. And he's not as big a target in the middle of the field. He's more of a shifty guy. And Herndon being good opens up those opportunities. The other wide receiver spot. And again, I wasn't a big fan of, of Brashad Perryman. I wasn't a big fan of him coming out. I was not a big fan of, of signing him. I think I think fans have overhyped the last four games that he had with Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians and, and, B, and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid and Ronald Jones and all that. And a really good offensive line. I think Brashad Perryman... And and he's already hurt and he's already hurt. So my worry, my worry now becomes is because you haven't done enough. Do you then get scenarios where you're playing a guy like Jeff Smith or where you're playing a guy like, you know, somebody who you pick up off the waiver wire. And that's why it's so important for Darnold's development that Herndon is also healthy for 16 games and that Bell is used in different ways. But I think, I think you will be disappointed with Le'Veon Bell just because the writing feels like it's on the wall with Adam Gase not being able to use him. Uh, so I think the writing is on the wall there. Uh, but I think Chris Herndon is the guy that you can bank on. And I think you won't be disappointed in him because he's already shown what he can do. And I think a healthy season of him absolutely helps Darnold so much more because that's the one guy Sam Darnold has all the all the chemistry in the world with. Looking at this offensive line, Makai Becton going to start at left tackle. George Fant probably going to start at right tackle. Van Routen, Alex Lewis at guard, McGovern at center. Feel good about McGovern as a, a plus starter at a long-standing position of need. Becton, I think, will have some bumps as a rookie, but is going to be a long-time cornerstone here. And I do genuinely believe if he develops right, he can be what the Brickishaw Ferguson was for this organization. And for you younger Jet fans, don't sleep on how good Ferguson was for such a long period of time. Becton's a better athlete and might even have a higher ceiling, but... If he ends up being the Brickishaw Ferguson, that's a home run pick. The other spots, I think, are all question marks, and that's why I'm still worried about this unit. And I'm worried about this unit starting out against Buffalo and San Francisco's defensive front in particular, and also having to deal with you know Chandler Jones and Isaiah Simmons earlier in the year when they play uh, the Cardinals. So 
I think the Jets just have to get creative with extra help from their tight ends, with moving the pocket for Darnold, because I still think while this unit will be better than last year, it's still going to be a unit that's in the bottom third of the league pretty clearly. And if they sustain an injury or two, uh, it could get ugly pretty quick. I just think we haven't seen it yet from George Fant. We haven't seen it yet from the interior offensive linemen uh, outside of McGovern. So it's still a shaky unit, and I just hope they're creative in how they coach around that and don't leave Darnold on an island like they did so consistently uh, when they got beat by the Patriots last year. How much better do you feel about the offensive line going into this year compared to how we left it last year? Uh, much better, actually. I mean, I, I love Connor McGovern. I think when you're talking about a guy who was not a, who's a, who last year alone allowed one quarterback pressure every 24 offensive snaps, I think that that's huge, right? I think that, that that's a really good number because again, if you're talking every if every 24 passing snaps, so you're talking about he maybe will allow Sam Darnold to get pressured one time a game if he if he averages 24 dropbacks. I think that's big, and I think you're talking about a top 10 center in this league who is a re- is really good in pass protection and who's you know he's he can be better as a run blocker, but I think he's excellent in pass protection and he's going to be great both for Darnold this year but also long term because he's still he's still young. He's only 27, so I I like that. I love having Beckton. I think Beckton when I, I when when he got picked, I said Makai Beckton. Is uh he's a home run swing by Douglas because if you hit on Makai Becton, then now suddenly you have a guy who could you know who could who, who could go down very similar to how you mentioned with with uh with John Ferguson as just a tone setter on this offensive line and just absolutely just absolutely a mauler that protects Sam Donald's blindside very similar to Jonathan Ogden for the Ravens like again you want to talk about a big you want to talk about a big Hall of Fame caliber player but Kai Becton has that kind of ceiling. So I love McGovern and I love Becton. I do not like Fant. I think Fant was very bad last year. And I and I think it is risky to have him out on the right side when that was one, Le'Veon Bell's most effective side. And two, he was, I mean, we we can make all the jokes we want, but Russell Wilson's greatness was absolutely impeded by this Seahawks offensive line, and George Fant was one of them. And then I think with Greg Van Roten, there were there were there were concerns with him in Carolina that he was making Matt Paradis's job that much harder because he wasn't as good last year as he was the year before. So the right side of the line worries me. The left side of the line not the left side of the line and center not as much. But I definitely feel better about the offensive line because I think Mackay Becton is going to be good again. He's going to have his bumps like most rookie offensive linemen do. But I think his sheer size and his ability to reach the second level only helps Sam. Darnold and only helps Le'Veon Bell and then the and then having Alex Lewis for a full year should help and then having McGovern in the center at center is really really good because I think you needed a you needed you needed consistency from one of the five offensive line positions if you were going to break in if you were going to break in a, a rookie left tackle and center's the one that you want it from because again you can scheme with tight ends that's why I think I you know I've said this repeatedly I think they're going to carry four tight ends I think they're going to use Griffin and Herndon and Daniel Brown and Trevon Wesco as extra as as extra protection on the right side and I think they're going to allow Becton to earn his stripes, you know, from week one. And McGovern's going to help with that. And I think Alex Lewis will help with that, too. So I definitely feel much better because I think long term, like, and especially now you're armed with four, four first round picks in the next two drafts. So if you added a guy like Penny Sewell to play at right tackle, then now suddenly you have the bookends for, for Sam Darnold there. And then you add another offensive lineman the year after you build it up like Dallas did. So I feel very good about the offensive line. I'm not, I'm not as worried as a lot of people are. The only thing is, is that you haven't had training camp to really play together and you would have liked for them to do that, but they're playing call of duty like Greg and I do. And that's how Greg and I stay sharp. <laughs> Listen, you got to find a way to make it work with these extreme circumstances and, uh, 
you know, when we drop this, we'll be, like you said, about two weeks out from the start of the season, which, you know, has snuck up on us, you know, so fast. I think, you know, the expectations have generally held. I think most places in Vegas have the Jets over under at six and a half, seven games. My assuming, my assumption is most people will pick them to win somewhere between six and eight games. I haven't settled on what my final, you know, number is going to be yet, but it's going to be highly dependent on how this offense performs. And, uh, I just want to see more offensive output and touchdowns. They had five offensive touchdowns in the final five games last year, and they won a couple ugly ones thanks to their defense and playing Matt Barkley and Duck Hodges, and that's not a sustainable way of winning. So I hope they're going to find a way with their offense to be more entertaining, more consistently, and you know actually make a run here at being competitive and Weather what is a fairly challenging start still. I think people are sleeping on that Colts game uh, and how tough that will be, particularly if you go into it at 0-2. So much like last year, you've got to beat Buffalo week one as it stands now, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this episode. How are you feeling about that matchup against Buffalo in week one? So I think you had asked this a couple of days ago, like what what would be our prediction through the first four games? And the the Buffalo game worries me a little bit less than the Denver game, and I'll explain why. I think Denver, quiet as kept, probably had the best offseason for their young quarterback. I, You know, you drafted Jerry Judy, you drafted K.J. Hamler, you signed Melvin Gordon. So now you've given Drew Locke, who ended the season really strong, you've given him weapons on the outside. And that defense, I think, you know, under Vic Fangio, I think that defense is going to be really good. So the Denver game worries me more than the Buffalo game. I think the Buffalo game, Josh Allen is still Josh Allen. And I think until Josh Allen, you know, and I think he took a step last year, but there were moments, you know, during the regular season, as he was going through these growing pains where Josh Allen really did struggle with his accuracy, with his ball placement. You now go and get him Stefan Diggs, who again, I think is a, I think is a really talented receiver. I think he's a good receiver. And now you move John Brown to the other outside receiver. You move Cole Beasley into the slot. But I, I think, I think you look at, you look at Buffalo's defense and Sam Darnold, was throwing the ball wherever he wanted. Le'Veon Bell was running wherever he wanted last year's week one game until, you know, the wheels fell off and CJ Mosley went out. So I feel, I, I feel confident about the Bills game. The Denver game is much scarier to me because I think Denver has a chance to really surprise a lot of teams and they have a lot of offensive firepower. And I really like Drew Locke. And I think that's a game that realistically is going to be won by Greg Williams being able to confuse a young quarterback. I think with Josh Allen, I think the expectations are high for the Bills. I think it is their division to lose until I see what Cam, what Cam Newton we get, right? But I, I'm not as worried about, about Buffalo. I, I would hate to come out 0-1 and then walk into that Lions then that is that 49ers front seven where you're going to have, you know, Bosa and Ken Law and Armstead and Quan Alexander and D Ford just chasing Sam Darnold around. And that's a tough matchup being 0-1. But I feel fine about the Bills matchup because like, I think at the end of the day, like Josh Allen, the last time we saw him, Josh Allen was playing NFL Street in a playoff game, trying to complete behind the back passes. And so I worry about it. I know Bills fans are telling this 300-yard scrimmage that he had, but – I mean, it's practice. It's about practice. So, yeah, no, I feel confident about the Bills game. It's the 49ers game and the Broncos game that has me a little worried. Yeah, look, I think they, they got a good shot week one. I, I really do. I think Buffalo is better on paper and they have a better coach. But I do think Darnold is a better quarterback than Allen. I think Allen's produce more if you factor in the running. But when you're talking about a guy I'd want a quarterback, I'd still take Darnold over Allen. Obviously, I have some bias. I'm a Jets fan, and I thought Allen was a shaky prospect coming out. He's exceeded my expectations to date, to be fair. 
But I think the Jets got a good chance week one. Are, are they a favorite? No. Does it make sense they're six-point underdogs? Yeah. Yeah, they, it does. Uh, I think it will be a close game that they have a chance to win. And it could really be a swing game for them. Because I, I honestly, I don't see them beating San Francisco. And if they're 0-2 going into Indy, man, like that's a real tough spot to be when you already had kind of low expectations and a coaching staff that, you know, was kind of on the hot seat. So they kind of got to find a way to win week one, which we were talking about last year, right? You know, and it seemed like they were on their way there up 16 nothing, And I don't know how much different last season would have been because of what happened with the mono if they win that game. But you stack that with winning that game and beating the 0-11 Bengals and 0-7 Dolphins. We're having a different conversation right now. So we will see. We will definitely talk before the season starts. Make sure that you stay with us here on the Turn on the Jets podcast feed. Make sure you follow Dalvin at tw- on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. You follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. You go subscribe right now at turnonthejets.podbean.com to get 10 straight episodes of season preview content. And uh, football is just about back. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you soon.